Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, Labor Day weekend coming up. It's almost, it is the end of the summer. I mean, every Labor Day, it gets so cold, I feel like God went and turned the switch off. Yeah, speaking of weather, by the way, later on, we are going to have an update on uh, Florida, too, on the storm yes, there. Uh, wow. Yes, Jimmy Petronas is going to call up, give us an update. And, and uh, like always, it skipped St. Pete and uh, Tampa. That's right. And, uh, the, the, uh, big the, ben the Indian area. gods, <laughs> not the Cleveland Indians and not the uh, the uh, Bombay Indians. Yeah, not, n- neither of them. But uh, it looks like uh, the Washington Redskins, they're pushing to have them come back yes, as the Redskins. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, in the studio with us, we have uh, Craig Eaton. Uh, you, you took the day off yesterday, Craig. You had a good foundation day. I, I was at a golf outing yesterday. A lot of people in Pennsylvania were saying they listen to the radio show. They love it. They listen to it every day on their way home from work. Well, that's Bravo. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. And uh, Peter King, uh, which King's Highway was named after. Peter, welcome uh, to the uh, studio. Great to be here. And Curtis is going uh, to another one of my name it, uh, named institutions today. And, and wait, we got a special guest. We got Curtis Lee. What, what the hell? I mean, it's a miracle he's still alive. It is. And, and I mean, more people want him dead than Carter has liver pills. Wait, wait, wait. We need the music, don't we? I think we need the uh, the yes. coming to take you away music. We, we do because, for this one. Because this one also has to deal with the one named after Peter King. Yes. has to deal with an insane asylum, right? Yes. <laughs> King's Park Psychiatric Center. Which Eric Adams, in a letter, wrote to... And where, to where, where, where is it? In Queens? No, Suffolk it? County. In Suffolk County? Suffolk County. They well, want what's the- his name the other day said... What did he say the other day? Ed Romaine, who wants to be uh, Suffolk County... Uh, executive. He said uh, no executive. executive. Do you need he me said, to bleep it? No. No blank. Blank, blank <laughs> way. Uh, are we going to allow migrants in Suffolk County or the same as Bruce Blakeman? And the same as Vito Fisella in uh, uh, in Staten Island. And uh, Lortimer, what's his name in Westchester Latimer. County? Yeah, Latimer. Latimer. Latimer says, he wants him. I want he wants him. him. So let's send all the migrants <laughs> to Westchester County. They have 400 at this point, And he said, send us more. Oh, my goodness. They got them in Yonkers. They got them in White Plains. He lives in Rye, though. Why not send them to Rye? Oh. Well, I understand Kathy Hochul. Yes. Uh, Governor Hochul is in the White House today trying to appeal to somebody's sanity. Uh, has you heard anybody? Anybody heard anything? No, in fact, Dan, maybe it's changed. But my understanding was that she was not meeting with the president right. or the chief of staff of the president. And that's an insult. I can tell you no matter how uh, Donald Trump felt toward Andrew Cuomo, whenever he came to Washington, he met with the president. And any governor I know from New York who's gone to Washington is always meeting with the president. So being well, passive to a well, and Donald, and Donald and Trump and Andrew Cuomo were friends at one time. That's right. They were very good friends. <clears throat> and even later on, they understood I each other. I would say they were better friends with uh, with, with Trump than, uh, than Andrew Cuomo might have been with uh, Joe Biden. Oh, that's oh, by the way, you, what you said yesterday on the show made uh, a lot of people. Made you got to re- Yeah, you got to repeat it again, John, because it was interesting. It was tantalizing. Well, that uh, you know, the, the bullet was fired by the White House uh, uh, to Andrew Cuomo. Yes, politically, that they, now, he was trying to knock well, him out. Let's listen to Curtis. So, you know, we're, we're talking amongst ourselves. Wait, wait, Curtis, and by the way, we he hasn't the, said anything yet. Well, we have the music first to bring they're him in. To take me away, haha! The coming. 
your way. Ho, ho, he, he. <laughs> this is my theme song, and in honor of Congressman Peter King, uh, residents out in Kings Park, where there's a huge psychiatric center, although most of it has been closed. At one time, it had 150 buildings, about 19,000 patients. 150 buildings? Yeah, all small buildings, big buildings, a huge complex. And uh, uh, it was Eric Adams, the mayor, who asked uh, Kathy Hochul. He gave him a list of state facilities. Most of them were in Suffolk County, Pilgrim State, which... uh, 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 Congressman Peter King used to represent that area, Central Isla, Brentwood, uh, and naturally the West uh, Hampton Airport, which is the National yep. Guard, State National Guard facility. So uh, Kathy Hochul hasn't said yes or no, but I'll tell you this much. The residents aren't waiting. They want me to come out there and organize uh, preemptive demonstrations because you know how quickly they move. They can move a tent in there within uh, 72 hours. They could have illegal aliens in there within 72 hours, bedded down house. And Kings Park, uh, Congressman Peter King, there is nothing out there in Kings Park. If you put a thousand single able-bodied young men with nothing to do and nowhere to go in a tent in Kings Park, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, where are they going to go? That is wide open out there. Absolutely. Makes no sense. So when, when are you going out there? Uh, before the weekend, uh, people want it organized. They want demonstration. I'm recommending to all communities. You got to do it before they make an announcement because they move quick. And in fact, Snug Harbor, we talked about it uh, yesterday, which is the cultural jewel of Staten Island, the former uh, Merchant Siemens retirement home. It's now a cultural center. We're going to bring 18 wheel tractor trailers and surround it. So then nothing goes in, nothing goes out. Curtis, I give you full credit for always calling for peaceful demonstrations. I think it's really important. Now, I understand on, on September, uh, in September, the judge is going to do the hearing on uh, Vito Fasella's uh, case in Staten Island? The restraining order. Yeah. yeah, the final hearing, September 7th. So right now, even though they could bring the illegals back because they had moved them out with the first order of a Staten Island judge which said you, they have to vacate the premises. Then at 5 o'clock Friday, remember? 5.20. Right. The uh, appellate mm-hmm. judge said you can move them back. But those uh, illegal aliens don't want to go back there. They're telling their supervisors, don't send us back there. Oh, they don't? Now why? No, that is a hostile crowd. They, uh, the moment they won't, there's only one way in, one way out. And this crowd doesn't go away. They're there 24 hours a day. They're mostly grandmothers. And boy. We're going to buy them some Rocky Calavito bats. Exactly. <laughs> but they also know, why are you sending us out here? We got nowhere to go. I want to go back to the Milford Plaza, the Watson Hotel, the Paramount in Times Square. You mean there's no room service there at oh, that location? No, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's an old school, an old Catholic girls' school. It's like the one in uh, College Point, St. Agnes. And that 20 they moved feet them into. from the other school. That's exactly. the issue with the oh, grammar four, school. Four schools. It is the worst possible location. And Staten Island is the most organized of the boroughs in uh, demonstrating and keeping the pressure on, both in court, politically, and with the rebels led by me. All right. Well, well Curtis, thank you. And you guys, uh, Congressman King, uh, Craig Eaton, anything to say about uh, migrants? Well, I was at one of the rallies that uh, that Curtis did last week at Floyd Bennett Field, and it's amazing. It was it was not violent. There was there, the protesters were great, and and the people were really listening to you and Sid. You know, they were they were comprehending what you were saying. It seems like the community people, <clears throat> the residents, are starting to get it. They're starting to put together the idea that enough is enough in the city of New York. And, the, and we should not bear the burden of having all these migrants in New York City 
in all small communities and our local communities because we can't afford to have them there. Yeah, and, and no end in sight. And, and no as end Craig in sight. said, this came about because of WABC. There were no yeah, politicians yeah. at our rallies, yeah. Curtis and Sid's rallies. No politicians, because I'm sorry, Congressman Peter King, you guys are rally killers. The moment they see the politicians <laughs> up, they go, oh, no, here we go with this guy or this gal. No politicians. And you saw the crowd wanted a plan, and we gave them a plan. Curtis, well, that's I, the I key. resent that. When, you, you know, when, they, when they name a highway or psychiatric institution after you, King's then Park. you can make that, right? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Where's the music? Where's the music? They're coming to take me away. Uh-huh. They're coming to take me away. Well, thank I. Uh, Rita, I understand you got some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is the founder of Just the News, John Solomon. John, some big stuff on the then Vice President Joe Biden front related to current events and obviously Hunter Biden, too. Yes, airlines and uh, or air, air trips and uh, emails are the latest evidence that are bubbling up in Congress's great importance. Let's start with the biggest development this morning. Uh, just a few hours ago, James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, uh, uh, sent a letter to the National Archives saying, we want records of all Air Force Two flights. That's the government plane that shipped uh, Joe Biden across the world when he was vice president, in which Hunter Biden or other family members were on a foreign trip for the government. Uh, we believe there's at least 15 trips that Hunter Biden took with his dad aboard Air Force Two. At least one of those we know he scored a business deal in Beijing and that Joe Biden spent a few minutes meeting with the Chinese official who would eventually do the deal with his son. Uh, there is a belief, according to James Comer, that this will have repeated multiple times. And as he said, there was no government interest in having um, Hunter Biden on these uh, flights. It only could have been for uh, Hunter Biden's personal profit. And for the first time in a communication, James Comer said that the action that Joe Biden took approving letting his son go on these government trips was an abuse of power. He basically was using government resources to help his son search for foreign millions uh, for the family to make. So he uses the power, the, the term abuse of power, important because that's a term most often associated with an impeachment request. First time James Comer has put that into a letter, uh, and I think a lot of people should keep an eye on that. Uh, in our uh, interview with James Comer shortly after this, he said, you know what, we're getting closer and closer. A lot of people are warming up to impeachment in the Republican caucus. So uh, definitely a corollary there. Wow. And then on the emails, we'll get that in a second, I guess. Yeah, you know, uh, that is big stuff, by the way, um, when you say that. And, of course, we just heard Kevin McCarthy recently saying yes. that it looks like it's inching towards that. Just so we're clear, John Solomon, yep. what this new information that Comer is looking at, it, where he says it's, quote, an abuse of power. This is yes. related to Biden meeting when he was vice president. His son goes on Air Force Two. It's taxpayer expense. And he met with the Chinese official who does business with his son. Remember, of course, President Biden has said he never met with his son's business associates. Oh, yeah. That one's falling apart by now. There's no doubt. He he held that line for a long time, but the evidence is overwhelming that Joe Biden was having dinner with Hunter Biden's business associates at the Cafe Milano. He dialed into about a 20 phone calls, according to Devin Archer. And uh, Joe Biden had a brief interaction after he took his son to Beijing aboard our, our air flight, the taxpayer's air flight, right? Air Force Two. Uh, and he met with a Chinese businessman that then creates an investment fund with Hunter Biden and his business associates. So uh, Joe Biden's story that I had nothing to do with my son's business is falling apart now. And that evidence is overwhelming that he did have some contact. Now, 
The real question is, uh, how many other trips did Hunter Biden go on where he ultimately had business? Did he travel to Romania? Did he travel to Ukraine? Did he travel to Russia? That is what uh, James Comer is getting to, because um, there wouldn't have been a government reason for Hunter Biden, an adult uh, child of the president, to be on these trips. So uh, the assumption, James Comer says, that, that this was for personal profit. And we need to stop that. And we just have about a minute left. John Solomon, mm-hmm. adjust the news. Fill us in real quick on these emails. There's reports, 5,400 emails yeah, that right. may have used these fake names that Biden may have used, like sort of fake email names when yeah. he was vice president, CCing his son. Email accounts. Uh, these are, this is my FOIA. This is a Freedom of Information Act request just, uh, that I worked with on the Southeastern Legal Foundation. The National Archives admits there are 5,400, approximately 5,400 emails from those three, two or from those three pseudonym email accounts that Joe Biden was using as president to talk to his son and other people, but they won't turn them over. So we've sued through the Southeastern Legal Foundation to try to get them for the American people. And today, James Comer said, I'm going to drop uh, a request myself. We're going to get those records in Congress as well. So maybe the public will get them shortly. Wow. Big stuff. John Solomon, you are terrific. Thank you so much with this big breaking news. Keep us posted on all fronts. Well, thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you, John Solomon. And, uh, Rita, you know, um, let me tell you, I, I can't believe that what's happening. He was the vice president of the United States of America. Yeah. And what are you doing with it's, all it's these aliases? Like it's not like he was a Joe, nobody. Yeah, and he also said, as you just heard, I asked John Solomon, he also said that clearly there were trips on Air Force Two when it was then vice president Joe Biden with his son Hunter. And then they go and meet with Chinese business people who the son does business with. How can he say he didn't meet the business people tied to his son, Craig Eaton? This is crazy. What kind of message is that sending to everyone? He's flying there on Air Force Two. Taxpayer money. Definitely quid pro quo. I mean, it's so clear that he's what he's doing here. Heartbreaking for for our country. Where do you think it's going, Peter King? You know, I never heard of this use of aliases when it first came out. I think there must be some reason. Maybe that was some national security reason. I can't find anybody. It was heard of it being done before. And secondly, Joe Biden, to claim he doesn't know about his son's business dealing, he said because of Hunter's drug issue, he was constantly watching him, constantly looking over him. You would think if a guy has a drug issue and his son's involved in a million-dollar business deal, you would know about it. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we got Jimmy Petronas, the CFO, the number two person in in, uh, Florida, to find out what happened with the hurricane. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And, of course, everybody watching Florida, of course, with the landfall of Adalia, the big hurricane that hit at a big force just a few hours ago. And joining us now is the great CFO of Florida. He's also the fire commissioner down there, the fire marshal. Uh, so is there on the front lines, our friend Jimmy Petronas. Um, Jimmy, where are you now in Florida and what's the latest? We've all been thinking of all of you guys down there so much. 
No, thank you, Rita. So I am back in Tallahassee. I just got back from touring the damage in Taylor County. Uh, that is uh, that is where the city of Perry is. That is where the, the storm made landfall uh, there with the sheriff. Uh, and you know, and, and it's 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 really uh, it, it, it's it's very emotional for me. There was already uh, sheriff departments there that had deployed resources from as as far away as as over 200 miles as deputies drove through the through the morning staying uh staying somewhere along the way to make sure they're there to provide mission support so to stabilize those communities to hold people's hands uh to protect them from the predators that come in after the storms um so again the the devastation uh it's it's pretty overwhelming but uh thank god that this storm was a very fast storm Moving at 18 miles an hour, it hit the state of Florida in a, in a very uh, area that's not very heavily populated and exited the state into Georgia, and it's it's on its way to South Carolina. Wow. And as usual, it missed Tampa St. Pete. Like we always said, the, the, the old Indians used to say, Indian gods down below St. Pete and uh, Tampa. That's right, Mr. John. Now, um, St. Pete, Clearwater, Tampa Bay, Tampa, uh, they had storm surge, about seven feet. And we talked about a little bit the issue. This was something I was worried about. And uh, so uh, some of the waterfront communities, especially if you had a boat in the water, um, you know, I, I, I was talking to a good friend today. His boat sunk behind his house, and he had two jet skis. Both the jet skis are gone. Uh, so the surge was high enough to break loose. Uh, some of those homes there did have some water intrusion, but you know we'll know more over the next couple of days because of how the storm came up. That created a huge storm surge into Tampa Bay. It pushes on the Tampa River, pushes it north, and now all that water will come back down over the next 24 hours. Uh, Jimmy, uh, the other thing is uh, uh, insurance reports to you as the CFO of Florida. Uh, is this yes, going to cause insurance rates to go up again? So yes and no. Um, there was a number of insurance rates are set on uh, historic modeling of what happened in the year before. They kind of size up the risk of a state, a market, uh, and then they go and predict their their need for exposure based on the cash on hand. So it's a formula that they'll have to set with the state. So if, if we don't have any more storms this year, you know, knock on wood, That'll be good because those carriers, they'll collect in premium. Then they can roll that premium forward and they don't have to borrow as much money. But if they have to pay out a bunch of claims, of course, then then their their cash on hand goes down and they're going to need cash in order to write risk. So uh, the, the jury's still out how much of an impact this could have to the carriers in the Florida market. Uh, anything, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to tell all Americans about uh, Florida? And you guys are doing a great job. People are moving in with both fists. Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked that. If people want to help, please visit volunteerflorida.org. That's a way you can donate, uh, especially of you in the Northeast that have loved ones in, in the Tampa Bay market, the St. Pete market. You know, that's a great way to help those that are truly hurting, that are looking for financial assistance. It's uh, it's uh, it's good to hear your voice. Thank you for being so interested about how our recovery is progressing. And and I really uh, I love you both. Y'all are y'all are just Thank amazing. You. Humans. We love you. We love Thank Florida. Thank you so much. I'm glad everybody was safe and we didn't hit in an area where a lot of, there was a lot of people. And uh, 
I guess God loves you guys. Uh, God loves Florida. Write that down somewhere. Uh, absolutely. I'll get a tattoo. <laughs> that, thank you so much, Jimmy Petronas, CFO of Florida, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Take care, sir. Thank you. Wow. Well, uh, who do we have on now? Well, uh, you, you know what I was thinking, John? Right uh, a few minutes ago, we heard from President Biden. He spoke out about what was happening in Florida, saying help is on the way. That's the right way I think a leader should respond. Flanked by Mayorkas and also the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Uh, I wish he had had a sort of a thorough response on Afghanistan. And joining us now here to talk about that and much more is the former Deputy National Security Advisor, Victoria Coates. Uh, Victoria, great to have you here on the show. This is Rita, of course, with John Katsimatidis, Craig Eaton, and also former Congressman Peter King. You know, your reaction, first off, I guess, to the, the president spoke out uh, just a little bit ago. He was very, very, you know, forceful, saying he's going to help Florida. Help's on the way. He was two weeks, you know, late in Maui, and I keep thinking about what a blunder he is still yet to uh, accept any responsibility about Afghanistan. Well, good to be with all of you guys, and thank you for covering these topics. I, I watched the president's remarks with interest, particularly the part where he equated the, this now quite fantastic uh, lightning strike on his house in Delaware. At first, he did it. At, well, he, he's done it a number of times, but he did it during his visit to Hawaii and then again today. And the story grew. Uh, and this time, half the house almost collapsed from what the fire department describes as a 20 minute fire that was brought under control. And then they did a bunch of renovations to the house. So the president repeated his pattern of personalizing other people's disasters you know, not acting as a representative of the nation and expressing the condolences of the American people for the hardship that our, our brethren are suffering in Florida, but making this about his house fire decades ago. It's just bizarre. It is bizarre. Then, it is bizarre, Victoria, yeah. that he did that also, um, as you point out, in Maui, and it was a house fire, and then he said, oh, the ground is hot. It's odd. And, and even in Afghanistan, too, like, you know, there were the hearings this week, the mother of somebody who, you know, this is one of the gold star mothers whose, you know, son, uh, you know, of course, sadly made the ultimate sacrifice defending American freedom. And she talks about when the coffins came off, you know, her flag draped coffin of her son there, that he's looking at his watch and he's talking about himself. I mean, it's so inappropriate, Craig Eaton. You know, it's almost like a lack of consciousness or understanding of what this country is facing. I remember there was one speech he gave where it was a, a tragedy happened. And he got up and the first words out of his mouth were, I just had chocolate ice cream. Yeah, it was after and the um, the shooting in, the Na- shooting, in the yeah. Nashville. And yes. he got up and the first word at the press conference was, I just had chocolate ice cream. And, and we have a lot of chocolate ice cream in the White House. I mean, it's like delusion land. Yeah, it is. It, it, what is it? What is going on there, Victoria? Well, and, and what's what's truly delusional, and, and I mean, I bow to no one in my love for chocolate ice cream, but there are times and places <laughs> for these things. I mean, you, you, you don't do it when you're talking about, you know, people dying. But what's really interesting about today is he says, you know, of course, we'll get everything to uh, Florida as quickly as possible. But what the Biden administration has done is very cynically drained the FEMA account, the uh, emergency uh, agency account over the last year, really, spent it on things like services to migrants, spent it on COVID vaccines, not for emergency relief for Americans, you might note. And now they've tethered uh, replenishing that account to Ukraine aid. 
Uh, and so if you are a, a senator or congressman from a, a state that's vulnerable, notably Florida, you're going to have to vote for the additional $24 billion for Ukraine if you want that, that account to be replenished. And in, really interestingly, Marco Rubio, who has been one of the most vocal supporters of the Ukraine cause, came out today and said in an interview you know, we have to disaggregate these two things. You cannot force a vote on Ukraine and a vote on disaster relief for Americans in the same package. And if they've lost Marco Rubio on this, they've got a real problem. Wow, that's really interesting. Everybody, we're talking to Deputy National Security Advisor Victoria Coates. You're right. That is really, that's sneaky. I, I don't like when they lump them together, Congressman Peter mm-hmm. King. Yeah, Victoria, first of all, thank you for your work. And secondly, I strongly support the policy in Ukraine. I also strongly think that that should not be included or attached to aid to Florida or, or FEMA recovery in this country. That's going to put a cloud over everything and tarnish going forward. So I think that, uh, again, this is, again, Joe Biden, Who's never, and again, I support what's going on in Ukraine, but he's never really made the case to the American people. And he's, uh, there's so many inconsistencies coming out. And I just lay all of this at his feet, whether it's border control, whether it's uh, Ukraine, which I don't think would have happened if uh, he had not uh, done so poorly in uh, Afghanistan with that withdrawal. This is just a failed administration. Agree with you 100%, Congressman King. I agree with you too, Congressman John Katsimatidis. Yeah, wow. That is just, it's just, it's stunning uh, that that would happen. You know, real quick, um, Victoria Coates, I want to get your reaction to the big hearings this week on Afghanistan because no one has been demoted. No one's been, uh, you know, uh, removed. And again, I brought up this analogy. It was like, they're all standing there today. I'm glad because Florida needs help and they deserve it. Um, but I thought about just it, it, it's still walking around. I was replaying the comments from John Kirby the other day where John Kirby was saying, you know, what chaos? I, I mean, there yeah, oh. it, it's like it's, and these poor families are saying we need answers. What what happened? They wouldn't even give them the SIM cards of the photos that were in their phones. No, it, it's really outrageous that I've had the honor to get to know some of these families. And what's what's extraordinary to me is is they run the gamut of the. American political spectrum, as you would expect, 13 families kind of chosen at random. Uh, But they are all united in their just visceral distress over what has been done to them, how they've been silenced for two years. Uh, You know, the the disrespect that the president showed them. And I think as a nation, you know, we we haven't truly processed all the fallout from, from the catastrophe in Afghanistan. And you know, all credit to the House for at least doing something to give them a voice to get their stories out there. There's a great new book by a couple of friends of mine, uh, Jerry Dunleavy and James Hassan on Kabul and on the, the loss of the of the 13. But the administration's response, I mean, they buried a little statement about the the loss of the 13 on on Saturday afternoon. I think it, they released it at 458 on a Saturday before Labor Day weekend, it's better sometimes to say nothing than to show such blatant disrespect. And and I don't think it's a a coincidence that the president's polling numbers tank after Afghanistan and they they can't get them back up. There's really nothing you can do in the face of that besides hold someone responsible, and they haven't. Yeah, and uh, 80 billion plus of our equipment's over there. It is incredible. Uh, Victoria Coates, thank you so much for being with us on such an important day. We love you. We really appreciate you. Of course. Take care, you guys. Thank you so much.
Okay, let's take a break. And who are we coming back with? Well, we've got Tom Gresh, and we also have Dr. Siegel, too. Congestion pricing. They're putting nails in the coffin of Manhattan. I hope everybody is listening. And we're going to come back with congestion pricing from Tom Gretsch, uh, the uh, uh, Queen's Chamber of Commerce. Commerce. And then Dr. Mark Siegel is coming on. Yeah, by the way, some big news that happened today with Mitch McConnell. uh, And he's going to talk about that. Let's take that break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Pete, I understand you, you have an update about the uh, insane asylum, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact is Curtis is really cutting into my territory. My son just sent me a text reminding me that he had played ice hockey at the Kings Park ice rink. So, Curtis, you know, stop coming after me. You know, he's uh, criticizing Kings Park. I mean, no, really. I well, just I want to know, Kings doing. Park, are you collecting rent? John, these, these things I cannot discuss on the radio, okay? All right. Just like we, we might have some music for just, you real quick. Just, so just like the Tolls on King Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming to take me away. No, it's a wrong, that's Curtis's music. We're, we're loaning it to Pete. You know, we're, we're going to find one about uh, the king. Yeah, we oh, the king right. and I. Maybe the theme from the king and I. Well, Let's, congestion pricing is such uh, an issue and an enormous issue, of course, at a time right now where we are dealing with the economy. And joining us now is someone who wrote a really powerful story about Tom Gresh, he is the president and CEO of of Queens Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Tom, really great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Tell us your position on congestion pricing and what a mess it is, especially right now. It it is. And Rita, thanks. It's great to hear your voice. And Congressman King, John, Greg, uh, really good to hear your voices. Uh, So kind of a common sense four-point plan that I think not only makes sense, but can get the MTA what they need uh, with some, with some, you know, some caveats. So first of all, and this is probably the most unpopular one of all, is no toll exceptions. I, I've been reading everybody and their mother wants to get a break, and many of them are very, very valid. But at the end of the day, are we all New Yorkers or are we not, right? Everybody needs to pay something, and I think that at the end of the day, that something ought to be a flat fee of $10 for all vehicles, car or truck. And the big problem with the exemptions is there's a universe of drivers. And every time there's an exemption granted for one of those disparate groups, it means everybody else remaining has got to pay more. And that's not, that's not the right way to do this. Now, 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 one second. I, I, I object ahead. to that. I object to the, by the way, I object to the whole congestion pricing. You know, Manhattan, okay. Manhattan has one nail in the coffin. They're going to put another second nail in the coffin. But if so I John, live, if I live on in the sixties, and that means if I go from, let's say I lived on 65th street, I go from 65th street to 50, 55th street, I got to pay them $10. There's more to it, right? So at the end of the day, the other part of the carrot and the stick is, uh, because you know as well as I do, that many parts of our city, all five boroughs, are ghost towns on Mondays and Fridays. So I'm advocating for a fair, free Mondays and Fridays for all MTA travel modes. That means New York City Transit, subway and bus, LIRR, Metro North. We want the commuters that come in that support our small businesses throughout the five boroughs to come back to work and to do their thing and to come in. Let's do it for just one year, and then let's measure and see how we did with sales tax gains, business 
stabilizations and getting people back to the office. I think we can all agree that not having people back to I the office. I think the MTA should find a way uh, for my employees, your employees, everybody's employees to keep the trains safe. And that's the totally number agree. one thing. All I hear is from politicians, they're spinning it. You know, how do you say the word spinning it? Oh, it, it's the bad media. They're saying it's not safe. Yeah. And, and, and the politicians go around telling the media, you better tell them it's safe. Well, and I mean, also, that's a lot of crap. And John also go after some Nobody of this. believes it. Go after the fair beaters. Go after a lot of these, the broken windows. You would be able to collect some more money. Craig Eaton. Tom, how you doing? Um, a couple of issues I hey, have. Craig. I mean, we're facing a migrant crisis right now. We're facing post-COVID ramifications where people have not come back to work in the city, like John was just saying. And we have a mortgage crisis right now. I mean, it's like, it's almost a trifecta in the city and state of New York. The last thing we need is to bring other issues out with this whole congestion pricing. I mean, it's going to upend certain areas and communities in New York City and create havoc for a lot of people. Well, I totally agree. And I, to, to read his point about fare evasion, the numbers are astounding. The MTA reports that the $690 million worth of fare evasion. And the current fine, I think it was developed in 1977, is $100. $100 when you, if you get stopped, right? I say let's triple it to $300 and nobody, make the enforcement, Tom, make the enforcement Tom, matter. Well, Tom, nobody pays. Nobody gets arrested. Nothing, you know, we have a broken system that we have to fix. I agree, but the but the but the fact is that six hundred and ninety million dollars. If we cut that even in half, that's almost towards the goal of raising that billion dollars, right? With the other fares. All that, right, listen, I right agree now, with you. Trying, but let's bring let's this. let's bring Manhattan back uh, from from having the nail in the coffin, and maybe in two years from now, I'll consider congestion pricing. But let's bring Manhattan back first. And go after the fair beaters. <laughs> go after them, too. Tom Gretsch, you're the best. I want to say thank you for coming on. And you're doing a great job in Queens. And thank, thank you, you for, for participating and being a board member of the Police Athletic League and helping the kids of the inner circle. Totally my, you know, totally my, my, my pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Tom, so much. And, John, everybody talking today about this moment with Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, freezing again. He's speaking, and remember, it happened a few weeks ago. This was dramatic. Everybody's talking about it. And joining us now is Dr. Mark Siegel, of course, of Fox News. Dr. Siegel, uh, your reaction, it was stunning. I was watching it, and, and it was hard to watch. And you could see his staff was going, uh-oh, this is happening again. We don't know. I mean, we need we need to know what a neurologist says about this. Look, Rita, he had one before, and what I thought was interesting the last time, a few weeks ago, was that after a while he came back out and spoke with doctors there. I kind of wonder if that happens, do they know already what this is, okay? Because if this was something like a stroke or a seizure, which is possible, by the way, both are possible, you would ex- not expect them to return. So one thing that's on my mind and I can't know is Parkinson's disease because that causes freezing. And so could he have freezing from that? Parkinsonian freezings are very, very common, especially as the disease progresses. Now, that diagnosis is made by a physical examination. 
looking for rigidity. If you look at his face, he's got some paucity of movement. I think that that fits. I think the fall he had in March, I think the falls, I think the stiffness, all possible. But you need a, a top neurologist who's trained in this to say. And then, of course, we need to see MRI, EEG. You know, you could have a seizure and not know because even if you do it in an EEG, an electroencephalogram, it might be negative initially, and you have to do it for days to know. Dr. Siegel, this is, oh, sorry, go ahead. ahead. If it's Parkinson, it's treatable. Doctor, this is Pete King. Again, strictly as a layman, I, I noticed part of what you're talking about. When this happened, his staff did not seem at all concerned or panicked, almost as if they've seen this on more of a regular basis. I mean, they could not have been more calm. Yeah, they jumped in yeah. kind of right away. Right, but they stood there calmly, yeah. and there was no panic. So I, I wonder if he's had more of these seizures or more of these attacks than we've seen and heard about. I believe that's likely. But again, I haven't examined them. I, I just told you that my leading suspicion, you actually have to examine the patient right. to know about cogwheel rigidity, gait. Does he have a shuffling gait? Well, he, he does look like that over a video screen. But we've been he's had polio. He's had polio. Well, yeah. that's so that could be contributing uh, to the gate. So, like, we've been fooled by a video before, but I'm struck by how common this is in Parkinson and oh. also that, as you said, the staff didn't seem alarmed. Wow. Uh, you know, before I let you go, uh, Dr. Siegel, I got to ask you about this. Did you hear about uh, Narcan? Now it's this opioid overdose anecdote is going to be available over the counter. You can go to like a Dwayne Reed or a Rite Aid or one of these places and get it in a few days. Is that making it too accessible? By the way, I'm going to answer that. But Pete, before I do, Pete, did you ever notice anything about Mitch McConnell when you were in Congress that you could talk about? No, nothing like that. No. Uh, all I ever noticed was the shuffle, and that was supposed to be from polio. But I, I never heard of him slowing down or being un, uh, unable to speak or being non-responsive. Okay. Uh, sorry. Sorry to ask a no, question. No, no, no. It was interesting. I was listening, too. It was interesting. Rita, I, I, Narcan available over the counter is, is, is icing on the cake. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't change the problem. I want this drug to be widely accessible. It really cannot be misused. So I'm all for it. Uh, but it doesn't solve the problem because fentanyl lasts for days. So if somebody stops breathing and you give them Narcan, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can't hurt them. Yeah, but if doc- they wake right up, they got to be seen right away and given a lot more Narcan. But, Doctor, this is Craig Eaton. Isn't it sending the wrong message by making Narcan so accessible to people over the counter? Because it almost incentivizes people to say, oh, now I can overdose easier because I have a quick fix to recover from it. Here's my answer. The answer is I don't agree, but my message would be with all the Narcan in the world, you're still going to die from this stuff. So I want it available as a very brief temporizing measure till ambulances arrive. All right. Well, Dr. Siegel, thank you so much. It's great to have you here on these two big, important topics. We always love having you. Thank you, doctor. Great to be with you. Thank Thank you. 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 He's really the best. He really is. He is. He's so great. So great. And coming up, uh, we have the great pollster, Doug Schoen, who has some new numbers on Joe Biden. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. Uh, some new numbers coming in, you guys, just in the last few minutes that President Trump has raked in almost $10 million since the now infamous Georgia mugshot. 
$20 million in the month of August alone. Uh, Craig Eaton, that, that is big bucks. That, that is big bucks. I mean, how's anyone going to catch him with this kind of money that he's raking in? Yeah, that's huge. That's that, huge. That is huge. It is. That's really big. And, and also, you know, the polls, too, are showing he's still doing very well after the debate. What did you think of the debate last week? Actually, Pete? I thought Nikki Haley did very well. I thought DeSantis did not really measure up to anything. And uh, I, I, to me, though, getting back to Donald Trump, he defies all the rules of politics. Yeah. Every rule he has broken, and the more he breaks them, the higher he goes. I mean, usually even an allegation knocks you out of a race. He's had four indictments with 91 charges. And I think most people are realizing, as John has said, that these indictments are really frauds. These are a terrible abuse of justice, a terrible abuse of the criminal justice system. And, and, and the American people seem to understand yeah, that and yeah. are starting to believe that this is just a crooked system. Right. You know, the then, Wall Street Journal, Craig, yeah. had a um, column and it said uh, that Mar- it's going to be the day before Super Tuesday is when the D.C. case, that's the federal election case, that's the date the judges said. Of course, you know, it may yeah. change. You're an attorney, you know, it switches and changes and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, Wall Street Journal basically said this was funny. They said. It could be a windfall for him for Super Tuesday because Super Tuesday is the next day. On one hand, you say it's election interference. They're overwhelming him. They're trying to bog him down. But they also say it could turn around and be maybe one of the biggest turnouts for Super Tuesday. What do you think, Craig Eaton? Well, you, you know, I'm, to touch on just the debates for a minute. I mean, I watched it. I watched it twice and, and I looked at everyone on the stage. And, you know, I, I think a lot of these men and women are running for vice president. I don't think they're really running for president. I think that's part of the problem. But I still think that Trump is the man to beat when it comes to the Republican primary. And he keeps raising money and he keeps getting out there and nothing seems to push him back or get him down. Yeah, he keeps going now, and going. Yeah, I mean, he keeps going and going and he seems like uh, the other nine people that are going to run. Yesterday was we had uh, yeah. uh, revelations from uh, Ronald um, McDaniel, McDaniel yep. that there's going to be a ninth person running. And the ninth person looks like is going to be uh, Larry Elder, who is the who California, suing. yeah, who's suing them because he said he made the criteria for the first debate and they didn't allow him in. So he says, no, I should be in. She basically, she essentially now, said he's going to be the ninth. One, none of those nine people running, I'm not sure, has the capable of doing a knockout punch to President no, Trump. I agree, but you know what the big problem is? Everyone fears that if Trump comes back, he's going to spend the four, the next four years. Just trying retribution to go back and, and get even with the Bidens and everyone else. If, if Trump would come out and let the American people know that he's going to get back to business as usual as the president, building America, doing what he did in his first four years as president. That's why I think, you know I what I say? Much better. You know what I say when people ask me about who you're supporting for president? I think I say to them, like the British say, you know what the British say? Let things sort themselves out yep. first. That's a great point. That's and great point. we have right now, yes. we have somebody joining us right now. We've got Trump's pollster, John McLaughlin, actually calling in to the show, which is great. Uh, John, we are talking about Trump. Uh, John, take it away to John. Well, John, you know, uh, I mean, but he's Trump's post, so he's going to go one way. Yeah, well, well, let's, let's get your feedback. Is he? Your feedback. I, yeah. I said, I don't think there's any of those nine players that are going to be in the September uh, debate have the ability to, to, to do a knockout punch against uh, Donald Trump. John, let me first thank uh, John McLaughlin. He uh, bought dinner for me last week. We had dinner at Charles Palminteri's restaurant. So, John, I owe you a big one. Oh, thank wait you. a minute. He bought you dinner and you didn't invite us? 
Come on. <laughs> he, he's, I don't sir, know who to be more angry with, Pete or you, John. He says, well, let's up in, up, up in Yonkers. Oh, right okay. Plains, we we would have gone to Yonkers. Right? I would have driven there yeah, and see John see? McLaughlin. Thank I, I you. Mean, I would have gone there. Is that where we're, sh- we're, shipping, <laughs> we're shipping all the migrants White up Plains. to Westchester? Right. We'll start with Yonkers. We can load them in Craig's vehicle <laughs> and bring them down. Yeah, it's actually cool. White Plains, not Yonkers. Let's do it. White Plains, I can work there, too. So, John, what do you think? Do you see anybody out there who could deliver a knockout punch that really didn't change after the first debate, John McLaughlin? No, because because uh, I, I mean, by, by the way, you know, Pete's made me look good for years when I was doing his polling and, and John Katzmatis, I tried. But if he had a better pollster, he'd be mayor. <laughs> but you, we actually we ran at the wrong time. But in the meantime, in the meantime, with with President Trump right now. You know, these guys are talking about, they they were talking about a Republican debate. They were kind of shaming him, right, that he wasn't at this debate. And he had to be arraigned the next day for the fourth time, or not arraigned, but booked, for the fourth time in five months because, you know, because of Joe Biden. It's crazy, John. It's crazy. It's crazy what's going on out there. But you know what? I I mean, mean... what what are you seeing as far as Trump's, you know, the polls out there with respect to Trump post-debate? Well, we did a national poll that was published right before the debate where Donald Trump was actually beating Joe Biden 47 to 43 among a thousand likely voters across the country. Wow. And and we and that's why he's not going down, because Joe Biden in that same poll, 67 percent of the voters say the country's on the wrong track. You have uh Biden, 55 percent disapprove. Biden, only 43 approve. Trump, uh, you know, he's he's leading the Republican field with over half the vote of 51 percent. We had before the debate, we had Ramaswamy in second at 13 and, and DeSantis at nine. So let me he, ask you, has that changed? Enough, enough, has that changed? Enough with these Republicans. It's going to be Donald Trump. And, and I don't think yeah. anybody I, has I think killed. John McLaughlin's going to agree uh, with you. Uh, uh, unless, unless they, lightning you know, strikes? Uh, lightning strikes or something. <laughs> now, let's talk about the Democrats. Yeah, because what, did what you see this? What the do you know about Democrats? you know anything, uh, John? And John, by the way, oh. I want to talk about this because there's this new poll that came out and it says that almost 70% of Democrats don't want Biden. I mean, yeah, no. they don't want Biden. What do you hear? No, let's look. We know our opinions. What's your opinion, John? Well, he shut down the whole primary system that no one's taking him on. So that you've got to, you've got, you know, I mean, Joe Biden, the problem he's got is uh, against Trump. I mean, 74% of these voters think that the indictments are political. 60% think Joe Biden played a role in it. And you've got 59% thinks it is a double standard of justice with his family. And 56 to 34% among all voters, they say, let the voters decide the election, not the courts. Of so course, of is, course. I said that uh, somebody from CNBC called mm-hmm. me today, uh, and naturally they hate Trump. And, and, you know, I said to them, why don't you just let the voters decide? It's only 13, 14 more months to go. Yeah, but they keep yeah. putting it at, at Super Tuesday, the day before Super Tuesday. It's crazy, John. Yeah. yeah. No, but the whole, the whole thing is Biden, he shut down his own primaries where you don't have a caucus. Now, one second. We, we, got a, we only got a couple of 30 seconds left. $64 billion question. Maybe it's trillion now. Oh, $64 trillion right, dollar question. If, there's, if it's Biden against Donald Trump, will Biden right. show up for the debate? No. Because so there'll be no afraid, debate. He's afraid of Trump. And, and, you know, so 
They don't, by the way, he'd rather put Trump in jail and make him the Nelson Mandela of America than have to debate him. Wow. So, well, wow. He's afraid of losing. John, you, you say this along with us. Yes. What does WABC stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, in the American way. way. God bless America. God bless you, John. Thank, Thank you. you, John.